Welcome back to the Arbitrary Archive, the show where siblings DJ and Travis attempt to catalog all of human culture just one word at a time, all under the guidance of a sentient and hopefully benevolent artificial intelligence named Jeff. Every week, Jeff gives us a one-word category, and Travis and I must find a piece of media or artwork to contribute to the Arbitrary Archive that fits that category. This week, Jeff has given us the word coward. So, Trav, what were you able to find to contribute to the Arbitrary Archive in the category of coward? This week, I'm contributing the science fiction podcast Bubble. Now, when you say sci-fi podcast, it probably sounds like, oh, it's a podcast about science fiction. But no, it's it's an audio drama um, from the podcasting network Maximum Fun, the same folks that bring you stuff like My Brother, My Brother and Me and Bullseye, Judge John Hodgman, that podcast network. Jesse, or sorry, not Jesse Thorne, uh, Jordan Morris, who is half of the Maximum Fun program, Jordan Jesse Go, once wrote a pilot for a prospective TV show called Bubble that never got picked up, and so it's instead been, uh, the network it has instead turned it into a podcast. Uh, it fits the category because, for two reasons, one, one of the main characters is pretty cowardly himself, but he ends up with this sort of chosen one magic power, and that way it fits the category. But as well, the central premise is that there's this, you know, idyllic millennial paradise uh, called... Oh, I don't actually remember what it's called. It's uh, called Fairhaven, Fairhaven, I think. Um, there's a sort of millennial paradise just uh, overflowing with avocado toast called Fairhaven that is a city that is covered in a bubble that separates it from this post-apocalypse uh, horror world with goblins and all sorts of terrible creatures. Um, the central conceit of the show is that the main characters do jobs for a sort of gig economy app where they they kill these creatures that have escaped that have broken into the bubble and they kill like the little stragglers that are able to make their way in from the outside world uh, and they're and they're paid for it and so I think it also fits the category because the idea of putting your city under a bubble is sort of the you know people are trying to escape and that's a escape cowardly fits there too. I mentioned that Bubble is a uh, was originally written as a TV pilot, and that really shows in the way that the even the podcast plays out. There, uh, unlike any other podcast audio drama I've heard, there is a third person omniscient narration, which takes some getting used to. Frankly, that's clearly just what would have been written into the script as recommendations for what's happening visually. Uh, you can clearly tell that that's the way that Jordan was thinking of it as he wrote that pilot. And then that that uh, technique continues through the, the further episodes, even though they aren't part of that original TV pilot. The narrator's delivery is so great. It's mm. like they just yeah. can't be bothered to be <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, in the story. It, it's an interesting choice because... Uh, yeah, it's this sort of deadpan delivery that I do think works. I'm not a huge fan of Bubble. Um, I'll just go out right and say it right at the top. I think the concept is interesting. I think the jokes are well written. And I think their performances, uh, because the cast is incredible, uh, the 
Maximum Fun has enough connections to get a pretty incredible cast. Later on, you have um, like Martin Starr, like uh, a cool cast of people. A lot of the um, sort of podcast folks that show up in everything. You've got your Pauls F. Tompkins and your brothers McElroy and that sort of thing all showing up in different uh, parts of the show. And they all do a great job. But I think ultimately there's this weird disconnect where it doesn't, even though all of these voice actors are doing a good job and the jokes aren't bad, none of the jokes really land for me. And I shouldn't say none. Most of the jokes don't really land for me. And I mentioned it's a sci-fi show, but it's primarily, it's a sci-fi comedy. I, I should be clear on that. Um, so it's important that the jokes land and I don't feel like they do. And in this sort of listen back through those first few episodes, I was trying to figure out why that was the case. And I think and this is this is pure conjecture on my part, but I have to wonder if part of it might be in the way in which the show was produced. It sounds as though they brought in these voice actors when they could get them, when they had free time to come into the studio and read their lines. And as a result, they're not bouncing off of each other comedically. Uh, it's it's you can kind of notice similar things in animated shows where or animated shows or movies where the rhythm of the comedic delivery isn't uh, d- doesn't feel natural because they were all just recorded canned. And so they're not necessarily bouncing off the live energy of the other person. It makes the timing so difficult. And yeah, yeah I definitely noticed the same thing. You're, you're right about that. Um. And and so it's kind of a shame because it's like you'd almost have a better show if it was just like you brought in some people, popped on Skype, have had everybody like load up audacity. Like, sure, you get the, the infamous Skype delay, but you're at least there in the same virtual space and you're still bouncing off the same energy. But that's I mean, and I can't I can't assume that's that's. I, I don't necessarily know that they did it the way I, I presume, but it certainly feels that way. And it's interesting to see how you can have all of those other elements be pretty solid, and yet the whole doesn't really land because of something as simple as, yeah, the energy just wasn't there. <laughs> it's it's wild to see a project, at least for me, not really land for, for a, a reason as simple as that. DJ, what are your thoughts on Bubble? Yeah, this is a bizarre feeling because this is the episode where DJ is more positive on a podcast <laughs> narrative than Travis is. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed this, and I I, I thought you were going to love it too, Chav, because it seems like it's totally in your strike zone. Um, I, like I said earlier, I do agree that the comedic timing is a challenge just by ver- the very nature of the medium. But I, despite the fact that the timing is off, I think the content of the jokes really worked for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought they were super on point. Like, in fact, in the second episode, there's a gag about uh, Lincoln in the Bardo. And while I was listening to it on my iPad, my iPad was sitting on my table next to a copy of Lincoln in the Bardo. <laughs> and so I, I kind of like the, uh, I don't know, self, uh, self-eviscerating humor that's on display here. And as I was listening through the first episode, I had this weird feeling of like, man, this feels really familiar to me. Mm. Like, what what is this reminding me of? And halfway through the first episode, I figured it out. It's Neo Yokio, uh, that anime oh. that apparently everyone hated, um, yeah, and but I, I didn't sort watch. of liked. <laughs> yeah, and, like it is. 
beat for beat like identical yeah so like even the concept of like this isolated city and instead of imp hunting it's demon hunting and Mm. the whole like brutal satire of millennial culture it is very similar and i think i like both of them in fact like if if you're one of the few people who actually enjoyed neo yokio (laughs) you you could almost imagine (laughs) that this is such a narrow (laughs) cast yeah, that is really narrow, but I'm in there, and it, it almost felt like a, a second season, an early second season of that show, mm. um, and so so I've been enjoying it. Now, what's interesting is that uh, I think uh, podcast narratives are so far outside my usual entertainment of choice that... I didn't enjoy this enough to like actually yeah. keep listening to it, but the few episodes I did, uh, I, I I did explore for our assignment this week. I really enjoyed. Um, like you said, the the production is great, the acting is awesome, and I I would even. It's interesting you mentioned that this was originally floated as a TV pilot because some of the concepts and uh, plot developments seem so imaginative that I don't mm-hmm. know how they would render those except of, with like, really bad CG. And, yeah, yeah. Um, they, they would almost have to do it as an animated show, which gets us back into the Neo-Yokio similarities. Yeah. It, so. it is well served by the by that aspect of the genre. There are some of the... Um, you know, a, a, after the first episode, everything is written specifically for the medium. So, But yeah, even that some of the stuff in that first episode is like... Yeah, how would that be rendered on television? And yeah, I, I, some of the some of the creatures in in the later episodes they really do cause your mind to wander and and imagine in interesting ways. It's also worth noting that this is maybe the only you know there there's a handful at this point. There's that sort of um, podcast revival of audio drama that's been happening this might be the only show i can think of although maybe star what's that show star tripper or something now that ours paradoxica is done the the folks who made that show are working on another show that i think is called star tripper maybe that's a case of this but uh, i haven't listened to it yet but i can't think of many cases of podcast audio dramas that are not anthology programs but are also episodic in nature uh which bubble is you could listen you could listen to any episode as long as you know the de- the the basic premise you could listen to any episode in the order kind of doesn't really matter there are through lines and there are arcs but generally it has that more sitcom structure of here's another adventure of these characters and they'll you know basically return to the way things were at the end of the episode um so you don't have to worry too much about uh, remembering what happened last time, um, so there. Are way- I got the feeling it was a kind of a monster of the week rhythm. Yeah. Eventually, yeah, yeah, yeah. is is that right? Yeah, yeah. Which, yeah. So there's a lot of interesting things going on. Um, as I said, the acting is great. I think the writing is is good. Um, but yeah, I and the premise is cool. I have just had a lot of trouble connecting with it, and maybe maybe there's something other than that that aspect of timing that's making it not land for me maybe uh, maybe there's some element that i haven't picked upon that makes it not really land but it seems like that's the general consensus is that people are saying yeah i'm not sure why but the jokes don't really land for me and that, and that's that's my experience as well but 
I think it's still worth checking out, if only because there's not a lot like this, and if the jokes do land for you, you'll probably like it. I would agree with that. If you're one of the two Neo Yokio yep. fans, you will enjoy this. Uh, so that's Bubble on the Maximum Fun Network. DJ, what is your contribution this week in the category of, was it coward or cowardly? It's been like four weeks since we recorded. It has. We've been traveling around North America. Um, but yeah, it was coward, I believe. And I am contributing for the category coward, the 2011 film, The Loneliest Planet, uh, written and directed by Julia Loktev. To explain how this movie fits the category of coward um, would be to reveal a massive spoiler for the film. In fact, it would be to spoil maybe the only single event that actually happens in this movie. So I'm not going to explain how it fits the category, but those adventurous listeners amongst you who go seek this movie out will quickly understand um, why it fits that category. And I think it fits it incredibly well. Um, As I mentioned, this is a fairly minimalistic film. So yeah, very few events. The actual plot involves uh, a recently engaged couple, Alex and Nika, and they are exploring, they're taking a backpacking trip through the Caucasus Mountains in Georgia. That's basically the full extent of what's going on here. Something happens to them on that backpacking trip. There's something that they experience that has kind of paradigm-shifting consequences for their relationship. And I first saw this movie when it originally came out. Somehow I saw this thing in theaters, despite it being like the most indie of indies. (laughs) Um, I caught a screening of this years ago. And when Jeff gave us the category of coward, like immediately images from this movie started flashing into Mm. my mind. And, um, you know, I'm I'm a person who likes watching movies a lot, clearly, um, because I contribute them to this show all the time. And a lot of times I just don't remember much about the movies that I watch, especially like months after that I've when I've seen them. This one has stuck with me, and it's because the film raises very challenging questions about relationships, about what it means to make mistakes, and about how difficult it can be to try to rectify those mistakes, even when those mistakes are almost completely unintentional, accidental, impulsive, they can do irreparable damage to the people that you love. And that is horrifying to me. That is terrifying. That's uh, an anxiety-inducing reality of uh, just everyday existence. And I think the film explores that rather unflinchingly um, in ways that are revealing and troubling. So... I guess I should caution to say, like, this movie is is definitely not for everyone. It's a challenging watch. It feels a lot like a Werner Herzog film, except minus, like, the fun craziness. So you've got, <laughs> like, <laughs> people sent out into the wilderness to face the end of themselves, but, you know, you don't have a fun narrator or just kind of wacky zaniness that is usually par for the course with Herzog. Uh, Loktev instead takes a a more direct, almost clinical look at um, this couple and the the Georgian guide that they hired to take them on the backpacking trip. 
a lot of close-up shots, both like uh, close-ups on the face, close-up real tight behind people as they're winding their way through these trails. With and a then lot you'll of have... extreme wides, too. Um, as far as the camera can be away from our characters with the viewer still being able to identify the characters in these just vast landscapes where they are the only moving things. Um, I was watching this with... Uh, with the subtitles on and <laughs> there are like seven occasions where you'll be on one of those extreme wides and you know it starts with uh, with like uh, music swells or whatever and you'll be watching this long uh, static shot <laughs> of the characters walking away and then when it cuts back to something else in a you know a minute or so it says music abruptly stops <laughs> and that does happen like six or seven times in this movie, but it doesn't overstay. It's welcome. It, it's an effect that works. Um, and this movie kind of starts not in medias res because that implies right in the middle of the action. There's not really a lot of action in this movie, but it kind of starts in the middle in the sense that we don't see how this relationship Again, we just kind of we, we don't even see how this backpacking or hiking trip began. We're just right in the middle of it. And in that way, it has this sort of um, it has that sort of same aimlessness that those types of trips themselves have. And I thought that was cool. Yeah, it's de it feels like it's definitely meant to be a jarring experience, like you said, the abrupt cutting between close-ups and wides, and it will it will even cut in like the middle of a scene, like in the middle of a dialogue conversation or in the middle of music swelling, as you pointed out. But the weird thing is, despite those abrupt cuts, the film starts to have this rhythm to it, where it's like, oh, another one of these scenes, oh, oh another one like this. It kind of has these different motifs that it plays with, and it ends up feeling very musical. I've read some criticism of this movie that viewers felt that the audience didn't get a chance to understand the relationship between Alex and Nika before they have this experience. I totally disagree with that. I feel like as a viewer, you know, I understood the connection that they had, the intimacy that they shared and yeah, how much yeah, they Yeah, you cared certainly for don't at another. the beginning cuz like I said you just jump in kind of partway what almost feels like partway through but you're spending enough time with these people that it doesn't take long for you to get it they have little games that they play with each other like little word games like nika's trying to learn spanish and and alex is helping her teach that with like this verb conjugation game that they play and like i said yeah the movie kind of fits into these rhythms despite being very jarring and uh and disruptive and I don't know, something about the tension between those two ideas is really compelling. And I, I got to be honest, like, I do not enjoy this movie. I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure that anyone could say that they enjoy it. But as I mentioned before, like, this movie has stuck with me for a long time. And there's nothing too shocking that happens. And in fact, what does happen is so grounded in reality that it it is almost more terrifying. Um, 
this question of yeah how do we how do we rectify the mistakes how do we deal with the mistakes um that we've made when you're in kind of this elephant in the room situation and you know you just need to talk about something but you feel like the words will fail you 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 don't have the right words to try to start the conversation that could bring healing to the relationship you find yourself in this weird limbo position where you you yeah. know awkwardly approach the other person and you know, try to rekindle some of that intimacy and connection, but it's just, it seems impossible. And the movie is ambiguous. Like you, you know, you don't walk out of it with a lot of resolution. And I think that is consistent with reality. I think the movie asks challenging questions and, you know, this is, it's almost a good discussion piece to watch this movie with someone provided that your co-viewer is also into fairly adventurous cinema because this this is a challenging watch but this is the movie I would want to watch with someone and kind of d- discuss with them so Travis sounds like you were at least intrigued by it too what were your overall thoughts on the loneliest planet it took me a while to be won over but I was at first I at, at first I just wasn't really convinced it was much more than a sort of like it almost seems like a lot of the dialogue here is improvisational and I'm not sure if that's the case or if it's just really naturalistic dialogue uh, which I was enjoying from the jump I think the interactions between them and their guide this sort of like language barrier joking that they have between each other um, is brilliant and I think it um, it comes off as just so genuine and at first I was like, yeah, it's got that going for it. It's pretty, but, you know, doesn't seem like there's a lot else going on here. And then you get to that kind of turning point that you were talking about. And it does have things to say. And so um, it's a it's a slow burn throughout, but it's also a slow burn wherein the first half of it is a little or not half, but uh, the first good chunk of it, you don't really get an idea of, of where you're pointed of where that, uh, of where that slow burn is heading. So it can almost feel a little like it's like, it's not worth what it's asking of you because it's asking a lot. As you mentioned, it's a jarring film. It's a slow film. And when you don't feel like that's pointed anywhere, it can be challenging um, but then it ends up to that it's pointing somewhere. Um, and, and as a result, it, it, it was able to win me over and, and yeah, like, like you said, it's not like I had a rip roar and good time watching this challenging, uh, sort of distant feeling film, but sometimes it's, it's worth seeking out movies that that challenge you in that way so yeah i had fun with this one no i did not have fun with this one but uh i think it is a good movie it just feels so um milk toast to say it's a good movie so my go-to is to instead say it was fun <laughs> i can definitely imagine that there are people who started viewing this movie and and quit yeah. before even the big event happens because as you as you mentioned it's kind of like this road uh, travelogue movie where very little happens and very little happens in the back half as well but there's the one turning point that adds this additional gravitas and weight to every action that does happen in the back half of the film uh, it asks challenging questions you know it's images from this movie have stuck in my brain for like seven years at this point to the 
is to the extent that it, it popped right to the front of my brain as soon as we got this category. Uh, I guess it's fair then to say that this is a memorable film and, and probably a recommendation for both of us, especially for those listeners who are into kind of adventurous cinema. Wild to think that 2011 was seven years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dating ourselves. Uh, Trav, should we check in with uh, Jeff for our next adventure? Yeah, let's do it. Blender, blender, blender. Okay, DJ, our word, our one-word category from the artificial, and we stopped doing it for like a few weeks, and I can't even do it anymore. <laughs> uh, our one-word category from the artificial intelligence, Jeff, for next week is blender. So, will it blend? <laughs> <laughs> you can find us on electronic mail at arbitraryarchive at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at twitter.com slash arbitrary show. Please rate and review us on iTunes. The fifth star is our favorite. Our theme music is by Alistair Forsyth of the podcast Bite Size Lemons. And as always, if in creating this podcast, we inadvertently cause the very apocalypse that we are trying to prevent, we sincerely apologize. Sorry.